0: All right. Welcome back to another episode on Aligned with Purpose in Life and Leadership. And I am just so excited for this next guest. Mark Drager is a pro conversationalist and host of the YouTube show and podcast, We Do Hard Things. Having spent over 15 years as a brand strategist and the founder of a creative production agency, somewhere along the journey, he discovered the secret formula to creating an extraordinary life. Today, Mark's mission is to help the truly ambitious and creative realize that happiness only comes from pursuing their passions at all costs. See why I'm excited now? So Mark, welcome to the show. And I want to kick this thing off by just asking you, what does it mean to you to be truly aligned with your
1: purpose? Like what does that mean for you? Oh, is is that the question from the last from the last guest?
0: <laughs> oh, not yet.
1: We're oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I was like I was like wow, that's such a great thing. Well, thank you thank you so much for having me. Um what does it mean to be aligned with your purpose? Uh you know, I've I've struggled with this a long time because I think that there's like a purpose like everybody's getting on the purpose train. Let's all get on the purpose bandwagon. And we're like, yeah, and we want our purpose. And then and then we're like, it, it feels exciting when we when we think we found it. And then six months later, it's like, well, but what if it's this? And what if it's this? And you're constantly questioning. And the other day, the other day I, I just had this thought when I was out on a walk reflecting. And I said, I get like ultimately, whether things are good or bad, whether I'm in line with my purpose or not, I get paid to do things I love that I'm good at. I get paid, I can earn a living. I can support my family, I can run a company, I can, I, can, I can live spending my days doing the things that I like to do, and I happen to be really good at it. And the thought was so simple that I wanted to make it more complicated. <laughs> but, but really, I'm just like, I'm so lucky, and I'm so blessed. And even if things are going wrong, and systems aren't there, and I'm not where I want to be, and the money isn't where I want like even if all that other stuff happens, at the end of the day, I get to spend my time right now doing the things I love, and I Mm. happen to be great at them. And the reason why I think this is so important is because I have spent many years being paid for things that I didn't enjoy doing. Mm. And so there's lots of things we can do where we can make money, but whether that's like a temporary job or a temporary gig, or I was running a multi-million dollar agency, and I didn't enjoy going to work. I didn't enjoy the work. I didn't enjoy what we were doing. I I didn't have, I, I lost confidence in the future. So I was making a lot of money doing stuff that I hated. And so this is where it's like the simplicity, I think is really where, where it's at.
0: Oh, that was such a beautiful, thoughtful answer. Thank you. Thank you. And so you've been down that path where you were making the money on the outside, it might've looked like a success, right? To everybody else who sees you. But what was that feeling then on the inside in that moment?
1: It's constant uncertainty. Am am I, am I, am I doing, am I doing the right things? Are we moving the right direction? Am I being a good steward of this Mm -hmm. team and, and of the money and of the client work? It's, um, it's a, it was a constant unsettling feeling of, of... It wasn't even imposter syndrome because I feel like imposter syndrome is better aligned with the things you want to go after that you don't feel like you're ready for. This was like things I don't want to go after, but I feel like I have to. Mm. Because if I'm not earning my income, how will my family survive? If I'm not selling, how will I keep people paid? I had, I had like a seven-figure payroll. How do I every single month, every single year keep these people paid? How do I keep them engaged? How do I make clients happy? How do we continue to level up? So it was just this constant feeling of falling short. And because I wasn't really aligned with my purpose any longer, and I wasn't really having fun, and I wasn't thinking about the future maybe being better than the past, it meant that I was very reactive. I was operating out of like. You know when a sports team wants to win and the other sports team is trying not to lose? Hmm. Usually the people who want to win will win and the people trying not to lose lets it slip through their fingers. That's how I was spending my days. But it, but but then it also manifested itself as um, feeling trapped. Panic attacks. I was having panic attacks. Um, I figured out through this period by seeing a therapist that I actually have generalized anxiety disorder, which i I've always had, but really was was not great. I wasn't a good husband. I was yelling at my kids i just i was I was really miserable mm. honestly
0: mm. Mm. wow, and thank you, thank you for sharing that part of your story. so I'm sure someone out there is listening to this. Maybe they're still feeling that way right now. Look, we see where you are today, okay. What inside of you shifted from this and in, in believing that this was acceptable in the path for you to ultimately pursuing your passions at all costs? Okay. What shifted?
1: Well, so so first of all, I, I mean I had to admit to myself that I wasn't happy. And mm-hmm. I had to be willing to let something slide. So Am I, am I, am I going to, I don't even know how to explain it. I, ha- I had to admit that this, that this wasn't working, that I couldn't like engineer my way out of it. Like I couldn't just hire another staff member or, or maybe change, like just tweak things, just tweak things to get there. It was time for like a major change. Um, and, and really it was, it was uh, starting to question what's really important. You know, the reason why I say pursue your passions at all costs, this this gets, um, is this gets some people's backs up against the wall because uh, because frankly, I, I want to make sure that I say this right. A lot of people think that they'll find their passion and then that passion will lead them to work and then that work will lead to fulfillment and then that will it, everything will be rosy and everything will be great. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that if you have to work really hard, which we all have to do, and we have to grow and we have to level up our skill sets and we have to challenge ourselves, which we all have to do, why wouldn't you spend your time doing things that interest you? Why wouldn't you spend your time doing things that you feel challenged by but you want to get better at? Right? Like, like Ultimately, we can't get away from the hard work, away from the tough times, the setbacks, the challenges, the questioning, the doubts, the fears all these things exist and will always exist forever wins and the losses will always exist so if you're going to put yourself through that special kind of hell (laughs) that is maybe running a business or entrepreneurship or even your career if you're going to put yourself through that why wouldn't you just go do the things that at least over the course of your life level you up to the place you want to be
0: I'm over here just like, yes, yes. (laughs) Because if only now, can we just imagine for a second, a world where everybody went after their ambitions, their goals, their dreams, like they had their back against the wall, like there was no other choice, but for them to pursue what they love and what they're passionate about, even if they don't know what that is. So I'm just over here like, yes, (laughs) like I felt that like your energy is just like radiating
1: like like i i um because of my gad but i think we all do i I struggle with fear and doubt such next level and they just seem to not let it slow them down or bother them Mm -hmm. but i i heard a quote and i can't recall if it's from i think it's from kobe bryant but Mm -hmm. and it was the idea of failing Mm. And fear, doubt kind of thing. And what he said was, listen, anything you're doing, you're going to fail and you're going to succeed. Sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to succeed. It's just, it's just going to happen. Now, having fear and doubt about failing doesn't keep you from failing. Having fear and doubt about failing will keep you from succeeding mm. because you're never going to start. So fear and doubt doesn't serve you. You are going to win. You are going to lose you're going to succeed. You're going to f- fail. You might as well just get on with it. And I was like, oh, there's a certain pragmatic, there's a certain like just logic to like, oh, right. I've spent so much time trying to avoid fear, avoid doubt, conquer the traps, avoid the mistakes, not lose the money. Like I just want it to be like win after win after win, success after success after success. That's just, you know, that's just how I want it to be. But, but it's like, stuff's going to go to hell. Sometimes stuff's going to be really shitty sometimes. So if that's the case, we might as well embrace that. And we might as well then focus on the things that that we want to do.
0: Oh, for sure. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And it's like a lot of times the fears that actually hold people back, it's a fear of a projected future that only exists if they succumb to the fear now and don't actually take action towards what they truly want. It's wild how it's all connected, isn't it?
1: yeah i mean and once you have this clarity if you are able to let go which was my next step so first it was like okay mm-hmm. the business i had that's not great it's, it's it's causing me to be very reactive very like fight or flight mode all the time about everything which means i'm not showing up the way i need to show up um and i had to work on a lot of different things you know i've had to work on um, i'm a visionary which means i suck at operations That used to bother me, like like I just I used to be like, Mm. why can't I do all these things? And um, I'm a visionary, so it feels like I'm playing all the time. And I used to think that that didn't help a business, but I realize it does. Um, As a leader, uh, when you're not aligned with your purpose or what you're doing, or even your role or your team, you show up as a bad leader. You're not you're not giving the team, you know, the the person, the vision, the the leadership, the skill sets, all that stuff they need. And so I was just honestly, like, just probably a bit of an asshole to everyone all the time. Um, And it's just because you're just trying to hold it all together. So step one was like, okay, admit that this is an issue. Step two is realize that there's no other choice. You can't can't inch your way out of this. You're going to have to take a big swing at something. And then step three is starting to... It was really the moment where I realized like, oh, I am the product and my entire life is kind of the journey. I was spent 15 years almost building an agency where, I pour, where the, the company, the agency, the brand was like my identity. I'm the entrepreneur. I'm the business owner. I'm the marketing guy. I'm all of these things. I, 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 I. And it's like, well, but hold on. What if, what if the agency disappears? What if I'm not an agency owner anymore? What if I want to go do something else? What if I want things to shift or change? And rather than me constantly invest in making my company better, I thought, well, what if I'm the product? <clears throat> Like what if I'm the product? What if I'm the service? What if I'm the brand? What if I'm the company? And rather than think about this month or this quarter or this year, I thought about my entire life. Mm. What do I want? And and once you start to think on that level, I you know, I worked through uh Five Regrets of the Dying by Bonnie Ware. Are you familiar with that book?
0: Mm, I have not read it yet.
1: No? Okay. So so Bonnie Ware uh was is an Australian, um, pretty cool woman, kind of this hippie honestly you know she she lived um in in the outback in the back of a van she was this nomad who never really had a house (laughs) and she found out that she could house sit for people and never have to own a home so she'd house sitting for like wealthy people and she'd go from here to there and she's just kind of this cool hippie woman and then house sitting at a certain point turned into end of life care because mm-hmm. a family that she was house-sitting for said, you're really an amazing woman and we trust you, but but my great-aunt or my, my grandmother or whatever, somebody in our family needs someone to spend time with her. And so she became a, a nurse or, or an end-of-life care worker who would work with people for the last few months until they passed away. And she noticed that people kept saying the same regrets. They kept, they kept saying things like, um, I wish I didn't work so hard. Or... I wish um, I put myself first as opposed to what everyone else wanted. Mm. Like these really important things. Yeah. And so I asked myself um, if, if at the end of my life, I would ask these same questions. And I asked myself if all of these people at the end of their life regret these same four or five things, are they true? Like, is, is, are, are they true? Will I hit a certain point in my life where I regret spending so much time and energy on things that frankly don't matter that much while I ignore the things mm-hmm. that do. And if they are true, I'm turning 40 next year. I think you're quite a bit younger than me, but <laughs> I'm turning 40 next year. And I go like, okay, if, if I have the privilege of, of another 40 or 50 years with my family and my friends and doing these things, like, do I need to wait until I'm 85 or 90 to regret these things? Or can I shift it now? Can I, mm-hmm. can I do the hard things? to shift it all right now and focus on those things. And that was an incredibly uncomfortable process Mm -hmm. because it's very counter to how society says we should focus on things.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, that book is now the top of my list because that sounds like (laughs) (laughs) that's so profound and uh, yeah, you've got me already thinking, but I feel like those are questions you're, you're absolutely right. Why would you wait until the end of your life to ask yourself questions that should be asked on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Wow. So, so then this brings in for me, because as we know, as we've discovered, we do hard things is something you live by and is also the name of your shows. So what is doing hard things mean to you?
1: So when I started the podcast, it was a very simple premise. It was like, I feel Honestly soft and weak and afraid. And I look at other people who like just badasses who just do really cool hard things. And it's like, you know, and I'd ask them we had James Lawrence on the podcast early on. I don't know if the audience is familiar with James Lawrence, but he ran um he's this like really exceptional uh guy who runs these tough challenges, but he had done at the time uh fifty Ironman's over 50 days in 50 states. So he put his body through 50 Ironmans back to back over 50 days across all 50 states. And then a few months later, after I had him on the podcast, he ran 101 Ironmans over 101 days. And Whoa. So, so it's like, just think about that, right? That's like really hard on the body. No one's body is meant to do that. And so I have this guy on and I'm asking him questions because I want to know like, what do you say to yourself when you want to give up? what do you think? Like, why are you doing this? Why? Like, what are you putting? So doing hard things was mostly like, I didn't feel hard. I didn't feel tough. I felt honestly like, you know, I I live, uh, I, I live with a lot of worry and stress and fear. And it's like, maybe if I spend some time with people who don't seem to do that, maybe I can learn something. And what I learned early on was there's this like line, this threshold that people cross. And at a certain point, people just do it. Hey James Lawrence, why did you do what what did you tell yourself? I just did it. Well, but what about this stuff? I didn't overthink it. Yeah, but, but what about the fear? And he's like and he's like Mark like I just did it. Yeah, but didn't it hurt? Yeah, it hurt. I just did it. And so <laughs> so, oh. so, at a certain point, we shifted the podcast a bit, mostly because what I realized when I connected with some of these Navy SEALs, some of these really tough people, um, people who in business even are just really great at making concrete decisions, that there are some people who go like, oh, action is the answer. It's always the answer. You just do it and away you go. And they don't seem to, to have these questions, these hang-ups, these vulnerabilities or what have you. Like They just don't. And I was like, oh, okay, that's the answer. It, it doesn't make for very compelling conversations. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so really what I, what I realized is I thought more about, well, what does doing hard things mean to me? And what are the things that hold me up? Mm-hmm. It's having the tough conversations. It's being willing to have the courage to do that thing that you're worried people will judge you for. It's making the financial investment that has no clear way of knowing if it's going to pay off or not. It's for me what I did realizing 15 years in that this multi-million-dollar creative agency I built I wasn't happy with, and was I willing to let that all go, like like to walk away from it to to somehow open up space in my life for whatever might be next? It's maybe getting out of the relationship that you don't want to get into that that's not helping you, whether that's a, a parent or a spouse or a family. Maybe it's deciding that you're not going to be around toxic people, or it's going to be telling them what you actually think. Or like, there's some negative consequences to doing hard things, but on the other side of that pain is always growth. And so, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. So it was really, I feel like there's so much trust there. Trust and yes, if I let this go, I love what you said about making space. Like, you have to be able to make space in your life for what's ultimately meant for you and what's meant to fill that space with something that's going to also fill your soul with what you're truly meant to be doing with your purpose, yes. right? Mm. Mm, yes. And you know what? I read this on your website. Okay. And okay. it was the question the question that you ask yourself when you're feeling like your mind's starting to kick in and push that doubt, right? You you said when you asked on the podcast, okay, what do you do? How, no, how do you show up? Well, I just did it. Okay? So when you're starting to question yourself, what is the question? What is the question that you asked to keep yourself going?
1: Hmm. What is the question when things are really hard? Um I feel like I have two answers. I there's like the like I know I know the right answer, right? Like the textbook answer uh-huh. should be should be like um, who do I need to be? Mm. Right. Because, because so much of setting a goal, people think that when, if I said like, let's say I want $20 million, I was at Tony Robbins. I know you study Tony Robbins and stuff as well. I was at his event and I went through this whole exercise and I was like, ah, I'm going to have $20 million cash. Um, this was in 2018. I set this goal and everyone would be like, that's, a uh, That's like a baller goal or an ambitious goal or a stupid goal or a monetary goal or whatever. And it's like, no, it's not the goal. It's like, who do I need to be? Who do I need to become? How do I need to think to have $20 million cash? Like the cash, I would love to have $20 million of cash, but it's not about that. It's who do I need to become? So to answer your question, I know that when things are really tough, what I should be saying is what do I want? Who do I need to be? And how do I need to react act right now in order to be that person? Right. If I'm running on the treadmill and I'm like, oh, I can't breathe and it sucks and it hurts and oh, I'm feeling bad and I didn't sleep last night and my legs are hurt and I overate and I'm feeling nauseous. I should be saying, who do I need to be? Come on, Mark, let's go. <laughs> um, but the, but the, like, this is where a lot of people in your space or my space is like, they say the thing that they know is the answer, but mm-hmm. then secretly behind the scenes, they're not living that way. Right. And so um, there's a few different things that I do say. One is, um, and I I learned this from my good friend, Nick Bradley. I asked him this question. He runs these endurance, he runs these like hundred kilometer things. And I said like, okay, when you're two or three in the morning and you've been running mile after mile after mile and you're hallucinating or you're tired, like, you know, that if you just gave up, you can have food, you can have a bed, you can lay down. Like you just know that on the other side of just giving up is like so much comfort. (laughs) I said, what do you tell yourself? And he says, this is what I came for. Mm. This is what I came for. And so one of the tricks I do Mm. is if, if I'm there for that reason, I went to a conference in Tampa, didn't know anyone, felt incredibly uncomfortable, didn't really have any reason to be there. Found networking very, very challenging because I just, I was just so introverted and, and not feeling awesome. And then I go, this is what I came for. Like I flew all the way here. I spent this time. I spent this money. I have one opportunity. This is what I came for. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing I do now quite often is I just um, surrender to the moment. Meaning, and, and I, I learned this from a friend that I had on the podcast, um, Sterling Hawkins. Uh, surrender to the moment. Again, the best way to explain it is if I'm out on a run and I don't want to run, I spend a lot of time and energy going like, why am I running and what's going on and this really hurts and should I keep going and my lungs are burning and it's like, you're just running. Like, stop fighting it. You, you have a client who you're trying to sell. And you're like, they're about to sign the contract. And then they say, wait, just before I sign the contract, though, I have these other questions. And we could spend time going like, why aren't they signing the contract? And they want all this extra work. And it's like, just surrender to it. Like, don't waste time and energy on getting upset on how things should go or should be or how much it sucks or how much, like how you, this is below you or you shouldn't have to do it. Or you don't know if you can or any, like, just, surrender to it and put all that time and energy into like just doing it. Uh, mm. and, and those are the things that get me through right now, but it may change in the next few weeks or months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it evolves as you do. It's a beautiful, beautiful journey, isn't it? And I love what you said because I feel when, when somebody looks at their current reality and they're told to dream big or create this vision for their life, a lot of times maybe they can't even see it because of their current state, or they just don't allow themselves to. But I love how you brought in the future self, because if you're coming from a space of, hey, it's all about who you're becoming on a day-to-day, you get to choose who you become today. So when you, when you carry that in with your vision, vision, as I've realized, I write down my vision every single day, not only do they do get you, bigger. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, I, oh, yeah. See, I, I should, but I, I'm so like, mm-hmm. in, I'm so inconsistent, you know, it's like, okay.
0: <laughs> you're like, you're like you okay. a okay. don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> I just, I marvel at people who, you know, who's like, this is what I do every day. And it's like, I do it for three days. And then it's like, like, where's that thing that I, like, I'm just,
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Something interesting happened though, in this process. And I actually, I was reading Grant Cardone, like 10 X. And that's when yeah. I started doing it. It's when I picked up this book. And so I realized that, I started to look at my vision. I'm like, actually, the things I'm doing each day, how I'm showing up right now, that's that's not what I would be needing to do in order to actually make this happen. And so it gave me a good hard look at who I needed to become even more so to level up and actually have it written right here on my whiteboard, play at the level of your future self as soon as possible. So you can truly step into that vision. So I felt like bringing that in. Well, and so
1: like when you started, <laughs> I don't know if you like people asking you questions, but I'm a host. You're fine. You're like, fine. <laughs> when you started your podcast a few years ago, so you started like summer of 2020, right? So it's like pandemic and worlds falling apart and all that stuff. Did did that kind of stuff help you when you took that leap?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it It's been the biggest transformative thing I've ever done in my life. As you know, business is gonna show you all the ways you're still held back in your personal growth and i think it took me a long time to figure that that one out so it's been such a beautiful journey huh. as that you is know. so cool
1: i haven't read i haven't read cardone's uh yeah. 10x yet i mean i have a lot of friends who've talked about it and um and I, it's one of those things i should pick up because i know it's super 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 powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Because the idea is basically that, um, if I understand it right, it's that if you, most people think in terms of one or two times multiples, which lead to these, when I talked about it, those little incremental, like maybe we can engineer our way there. But when you take a step back and you say, how do we do this at a 10 times level? There's only a few options. It narrows the scope of what you focus on. You can only, like, like it's so big and it's so grandiose. You can't just engineer your way there. Like you have to rethink the approach. But then on top of that, most people, most of us operate in the one or two time multiple, which makes it super competitive. And when you hit that 10 times level, no one is willing to think that grandiose. And so there's no competition there. Did, did, I, did I get it right?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. hundred percent. And then it's also when you're shooting for these goals that are way larger than you ever thought, yes, you need to come at it from a different way you also need to grow much faster and then and then the goal is like right if if you shoot up here and you land a little bit underneath that it's still much higher than it ever would have been one or two x yeah for sure and you know what i really want to bring this part in right now because you mentioned you know we're going after these big 10x goals right we've got this huge vision for our life but we're starting to bring this up to family and friends and they're like yeah you know what Janice tried to start a business and that didn't go so well for her. You should probably be more careful, Uh, right? All the naysayers in your life. And you talked about high school bullies, even doubting yourself. So let's drop into that conversation. So how did you prove to yourself and others that you could do it?
1: Yeah, this is, um, this is a really tough thing because the people who love us the most will often want to keep us the safest. They want to mm-hmm. keep us small. And I hate to say that, but it's true. They 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 project all of their fears on you. You know, my wife is an actress and a singer. And whenever I see her step onto stage, um, as she walks onto stage, I get so embarrassed and nervous about the mistakes she has yet to make. Mm-hmm. Have you ever yeah, has this ever happened to you where you where you're just you're you're there and, and you you're just so like you're waiting. You're waiting on the edge of your seat for them to screw up. And then you just you already feel so embarrassed for them. And yet my wife goes through the whole thing. Not a mistake, an amazing performance because she's practiced and she's mm-hmm. trained and she and she has they've spent months working on stuff I never see. Right. They're, they're, they're shaping how they walk around the stage, what they say, how they carry themselves. She has a, a, she has a singing coach that helps her hit certain notes in certain ways. And so I don't see the training. I don't see the mistakes that have been made. I don't see the growth. All I see is my wife, the person who I love, stepping onto a stage doing something that frankly <laughs> makes me so uncomfortable. You know, singing, dancing, doing musicals, acting on stage makes me so uncomfortable that I can't help but sit there in the seat and just go, oh, Chad, please don't screw up. Oh, my goodness. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, that was amazing. You were the greatest person ever. That's what everyone in our life is like. They don't see the idea in your head. They don't see the vision. Mm -hmm. They don't see the amount of time and energy you're putting into thinking about things and researching things and rolling things around in your head. And the fact that over the course of days and weeks and months, in years, that you just keep Leveling up, leveling up, leveling up. And they don't see any of that stuff. But what they do see is the picture of whomever you used to be. And they, they, they just see all of their fears painted all over everything that you do. And so, yeah, you know, the, the doubters and the haters, you got to be really careful because I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I fluctuate between thinking, that I know with full confidence that what I want to accomplish, I will accomplish. I don't know how, I don't know when, it's not gonna work the way that I expect it to, but most of the time, I know that this will work out because I've, I've done it enough times in the past where I'm like, where I have an idea and I start moving in the right direction and then I'm not sure and then I don't know and then suddenly it just kind of happens and I'm like, oh, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> It just kind of <laughs> worked out, uh, okay. And and I'm like surprised somehow. Like I'm I'm surprised that like oh we you know I pictured hiring three people and then two years later suddenly we have those three people. Or I pictured doing a certain type of project and then it did. Or I pictured owning a certain vehicle or moving into a certain type of house or having four kids. You know, and suddenly we have four kids. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? So so now today I know that anything that you visualize, Jamie and anything that i visualize that we work towards will happen but then there's those days and there's those nights where i'm just like are you serious mark are you serious you th- like what what makes you think that you can do this who does this stuff do you you really you really think that this is what you're going to do you really think that this is going to work you're you, like honestly it's just like you're an idiot what like You you are so delusional that you were able to trick yourself into believing that this is going to work out. But just wait, just wait. All those doubters, all those haters, they're going to be right. You're going to have egg on your face. You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to look like you wasted all your time, all your money. Why would you do that? And then the other side of me goes, yeah, but think about all the lessons I'm going to learn and think about how I'm going to grow and think about all those intangible things, whether it works out or not. I'm still going to be better off because no one can take those away from me and then the other side. <laughs> it just, it just mm. happens to us all. But if you listen to the doubters and you listen to the haters, they will feed that, that questioning side of you, and they will destroy the, any, any vision and any excitement that you have. And so, honestly, you just have to just choose not to listen. Because you are gonna have enough doubt and you are gonna have enough fear and you're gonna have imposter syndrome and you're gonna question if what you're doing makes sense and if it's crazy and should you give up and will it work and if it's not working, what do we need to do differently and all of those things. Mm -hmm. That's the process. We're gonna do that forever. No matter like if if you're uncomfortable with that, I'm sorry. That is what you're gonna do every single year for the rest of your life, because you're gonna just keep you're gonna keep going. And so I just I'm I'm getting more and more comfortable with isolating myself from the people who don't believe and surrounding myself with the people who think more like I do. And then, and then making sure very carefully, making sure that I'm not just in an echo chamber. I'm not just around people who think exactly the same things, saying the same things in the same way all the time, because I I don't know if that helps. (laughs) either.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I feel so often on an, especially an entrepreneur's journey or just someone into personal development, just looking to live in align with their purpose. I think that's part of it. It's at what point when maybe you're not strong enough to completely stop listening to the naysayers. It's like, you've got to kind of distance yourself. And I feel like when I distanced myself from my family and the friends that I had grown up with forever, I was forced to grow. In a new way, like it kind of forces you to get out of, outside of your comfort zone constantly.
1: Yeah, and and you said it earlier, yeah. which which is an amazing thing that I've only come to really respect. Is that in business, um, like like you're 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 a coach, so you get the chance mm-hmm. to work with a lot of people, right? So I, I'm not. I'm like, I'm like a consultant, but I'm actually not a coach. And so um, usually when people are coming to me, they're like, I got X problem, and then I'll work on the strategy on how to fix it. Um, and then we'll do the work if they want, or what have you. But, but you get the chance to be able to work with people and help, help them see things through and overcome the challenges. And I've, I've worked with coaches, so I understand the value of it. But there's got to be times, I'm sure, where people were like, who are you? Like, or maybe even yourself, like, who are you to become a coach? What have you done?" that's so special why do you think you can help other people who would pay you for this you want to charge how much and so these are like all of these little things where if we circle all the way back to aligning with purpose um for 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 why it's important like again we are going to face setback after setback roadblock after roadblock fall after fall challenge after challenge our egos will be bruised. Our, our abilities will be questioned. We'll find out that we thought we were good and we're not good enough. Um, we have to learn these things. We have to make these investments. We have to be patient. We have to keep going. So it might as well be <laughs> the thing that you love, right? Like I imagine yes. you love working with people. Do you not?
0: Every day. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this. Every day I feel like I fall more and more in love with what I do. I have more gratitude for it each day as it grows and as I grow. It's beautiful.
1: See, and and because I'm not a coach. And because I'm not a coach, I see your and I feel your energy. I see your smile. I I, I saw your eyes light up. But 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 I'm not a coach. And so I'm just like, well, that sounds like hell to me. (laughs) You know, like what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. is the thing that i can do all day every day Mm -hmm. like i Mm -hmm. love connecting with people i love asking them questions i love having challenging or deeper conversations i love spending time thinking through these things and yet it never felt like enough like like is that a job is that a role when i decided that i wanted to become a professional Host a professional conversation. I yes, I'm an agency owner. Yes, I'm an entrepreneur. But the thing I want to be known for is being a, a professional host. Mm. I know that people do that. Like comedians become hosts, and you know, and 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 podcasters exist. But it's like I don't want to just be a podcaster. I want to be a host. And I'm at my dentist, and uh, she says, "What do you do?" And it was the first time, like it was like a few days after I made this decision where it's like, this is a big change. This is something I want to do forever, that I want to continue to get better at, where I'm the product and I'm going to invest in myself year after year after year to get better. Mm -hmm. And she says, What do you do? And the easy thing for me to say would be like, I own a marketing agency. Like I say that all the time. I own a marketing agency. You know, we help speakers and coaches and consultants and entrepreneurs develop personal brands. We help them understand who they are, who they need to be and what they need to say to increase sales and exposure. Right, like I, I've practiced that so many times, and instead I was like, I was like, oh, um, you know, I'm a host. And They're like a host. Like I, I didn't have this, and I was like, and of course it's my dentist, so it's more like, oh, you know, I, I'm a host. <laughs> I like stuff in my mouth and everything, but, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, you know, like, um, I have a podcast, and like, oh, you're a podcaster. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't just doesn't feel like, yeah, yeah, I have a podcast, but I also like i i i host live events like people hire me to go down and help them host their live events and mc events and do their run of shows and make sure everything's on time and the content's good and all that stuff and she's like oh okay and and so it's like i i couldn't explain it but in that moment i was so embarrassed to say it out loud yeah. it felt foolish and um um i i don't i don't know what the right word is but it felt it felt um What's, what's the idea behind like you doing something that isn't smart? Like it's not strategically sound. It's not smart. Um, it's, it's like childish. It's, it felt immature, I guess, is really what it was. It's like if I was in high school and I said, this is what, I, you know, I want to be a YouTuber. People would be like, okay, cool. <laughs> when you grow up and have kids and have a mortgage and stuff, that's great. But it, that's kind of what it felt like. And, and so it took me a long time though to realize, no, this is what I want to do this is what I'm good at because people keep telling me I am. And I looked at a few other people who seem to make a living doing it. And it's like, Oh, people can do this. Like, like you can take something that just feels like not quite enough to dedicate your life to, but realize it is enough. Like, Mm -hmm. like being good at that one thing is enough. It's beautiful.
0: That's beautiful. And I have to say, just the the questions, the answers, I mean, you've put, you can just tell, so much effort into building yourself up. And I love that you've said this because I feel so often people are looking towards the external rather than, like we said before, the internal and, hey, how can I make myself more valuable? At the end of the day, we can't take anything with us, but we have ourself. It's the, it's the most important thing. And I feel like it's talked about a lot in terms of like, invest in yourself. It's the more, most important thing, but it really is the most important thing.
1: It's so, so this is, this is why, and I'm, I'm working on it. Cause I don't know if people understand what I'm saying. Pursue your passion at all costs. People get really uncomfortable with that again, mm-hmm. because it's like pursue your passions, but your passions aren't enough. Uh, again, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that there's not more to life and work than just your passion. You want to be um, an NBA. MB- People always go like, well, you know, like, Mark, what if you want to be in the NBA? Right, you're turning forty and you're a short white guy. You're never going to be able to make it work. It's like, cool. If if that was my passion, then I guess you're right. Um, I wouldn't, but I don't know if I would pick something. That's just so inconsequential, like like mm-hmm. something that's just so mm-hmm. like impossible to do. But but the reason is that I think most won't pursue things at all costs. Yeah, because it costs you, right? Mm-hmm. Like so. So when my wife, we have four kids. Our oldest is turning sixteen. Our youngest is eight. From the moment my wife was pregnant, we were young. She was twenty at the t- daughter of three, we were both 23, but she was young from, from 22 years old to maybe three years ago. So for 14 years, she was a stay-at-home mom. And that was an important thing. Like it was important to her, it was important to me. We wanted we wanted to be able to give our kids kind of a home life where where she's at home. But for the last four or five years, she kept saying like, um, just a mom just a mom, just a mom, just a mom. And I kept saying, you're not just a mom. And if, if, if people want to be the world's greatest mom, homemaker, whatever you want to call it, that's totally cool. But for my wife, she was always like, I'm just a mom. Like it's some kind of thing. And really it was like, it was like, you're not just a mom. you're, you're this is what you're doing today. And then it starts to be the hard work of who do you, again, who do you want to become? What do you want to do? What do you want to pursue? What are you willing to to try and fail at, and, and be able to move forward? Um, but this like idea of "I'm just a" is is something mm-hmm. that that hold us all back. I was I was yeah. just a, an agency owner. I, I'm just just a marketer. I'm just an entrepreneur, right? If, if anything like that is mm-hmm. so limiting that it just doesn't give you room to become anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I love that you brought that in. Um, At one point, this show was actually called Mom's Freedom Maker. So we've got a lot of moms listening. So I'm glad you brought that in. Uh, So this was one of the questions I was going to ask you right in the beginning. It was the question from the other guest. Oh, you called it an I audible. Like- <laughs> you
1: warned me. You're like, you're like okay, I'm going to start off with a I question did. from a guest. Enough. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we just got going. And now I, I do feel like it's a, it's a good time to bring it in. And so that question is, what was the hardest season of your life? And what did you learn from it?
1: Um. I I I want to say the the last few years 2018 to 2022 <laughs> it's still going on mm-hmm. um but I I grew up in a really kind of pressure cooker home so uh my my I had this really weird childhood where up until the age of 7 uh, it was just my mom me my sister and my aunt super super s- safe super comfortable idealic childhood my grandparents had a place in florida we'd go down to florida in the winter we'd go up to the cottage in the summer hung out with my cousins i grew up in kind of an upper middle class family so it never seemed like we were without there was never any fear of of anything it was just like a great childhood and then my mom remarried and when she remarried what she didn't realize at the time because he kind of hid it from her was that um he had mental health issues he had the, the manic side of bipolar. So he didn't have the depression side, but just the manic side, uh, really, really angry guy, um, alcoholic. And, and so I grew up in this, um, family where, uh, where there's just a lot of, there was a lot of like pressure to never make a mistake, never be seen, never get into trouble. Um, there was a lot of, uh, emotional and, um, and abuse and verbal abuse and there was a lot of fighting and um it was just what i looking back <laughs> what i didn't realize was there was a lot going on and and i i got a therapist a few years ago to try and figure out what's going on with me because my friends thought i was bipolar but i grew up with someone who was who had the manic side of it and i knew that wasn't me and but i was cycling so all over the place and that's when I saw a therapist. That's when he suggested that I actually have GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, which switches me from worried about the future to depressed about the past. Future scary. Past is sad. Future past. And I can cycle through that a few times in a week. Like yesterday, I was really, really, really down. <laughs> and today I'm like, life is amazing. Um, anyway, to answer your question, the hardest thing I, I was really... Um, when I was explaining to my therapist some things that happened growing up as a kid, I never connected some dots. There was a year or there was a time when I was in grade six that my mom went in for this really minor surgery. She ended up getting uh, infected. She ended up getting gangrene um, and a blood infection. And within three days of the, of the original surgery, she was at the point where she had to get rushed into the hospital. She, uh, she was there for... I think four to six weeks. I can't recall. I was young. I was grade seven, but she was there for four weeks. I think she had to have reconstructive surgery cause they had to remove her part of a foot. Um, she had a blood infection. She had a lung that had filled up and collapsed. There was a time during the night where she, um, where they kept checking up on her and waking her up cause I thought she was going to pass away. And during that same time, we moved from living in the city with all my friends to living in the country at the same time. Um, my grandfather had this heart issue. At the same time, my uncle was involved in a, in a car accident that almost killed him. Um, at the same time, my, younger, my youngest brother, who's 11 years younger than me, was just learning how to walk. And I would videotape him every day so I could show my mom him learning how to walk because she was in the hospital. And, and all of these things, and these are just the things that I remember, um, mm-hmm. but there's all of these things where my, my uh, therapist was like, hold on, this all happened to you when you were 11 in like the span of like, six months or something or a year and i was like yeah 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 yeah," but you know whatever i'm cool i'm good (laughs) and he's like do you think that may have shaped you or impacted you (laughs) a little bit and i'm like ah i never thought of that before and so really Mm -hmm. I, i i haven't really dug into it enough and i haven't really unpacked it but what i've learned is that all of those things that happened to you when you were younger that i would ignore or quiet or say you know it's not that bad i wasn't sexually abused i wasn't physically abused you know like there's always people who are worse off and uh, like i just didn't i didn't accept that these things happened that they weren't my fault that um you know i was just a kid that they're, those things I'm still carrying today and they're, and they're causing me to, to react in ways that I don't like. Mm. And I, ha- I don't have the answers, but the lesson I learned is that these things are very, very real and ignoring them will not help you get any better. So another hard thing I got to do for me, I-, I was even talking to my wife about this, Like I know, I think the answer is more therapy perhaps or unpacking it or journaling, trying to talk about this trying to figure out how this is affecting me today as a father and as a husband, as a business owner. Because again, if I'm the product and I want to live the next 40 or 50 years to the person that I want to be, I don't want to be the person who, who, who continues to bring this into every relationship or into every season of life, every moment. Like, like Future me, I want future me to have this figured out. I want future me to know that anxiety isn't a problem. I want future me to know that I was able to work through that stuff as a kid. And so a future me has to have it figured out. Like I might as well well get started on it, right? (laughs) Why put it off any longer?
0: Mm, mm, Yeah. Oh, I hear you. But then maybe just something to sit with, not to to add this in here, but something to sit with is like, well, maybe there's nothing to figure out. Maybe by trying to figure it out and p- piece it all together is our ego thinking that it needs figured out, but maybe it's maybe it's an awareness of it, but then just it, the ability it, it to also be. let it go.
1: Have you seen the Disney movie Encanto? No, no Encanto. The Disney it, it's a it's this, a Disney it's, animated musical. It's it it's, it's it's has to do with this like Spanish family who all have different powers and. And they live in this great house. Your your, your little one's a little young. So maybe you have, I I got kids who we love Disney movies.
0: I've seen on Disney plus. I mean, I can picture the cover in my head, but I'll need to click it and actually watch it now.
1: It's, um, it's a, it's a mindset movie. It's actually pretty like I'm sitting there in the theater watching this thing. And I'm going, Oh, Disney decided to make a mindset movie. Cause there's the character who is known for her strength but she's just so tired of having to be strong for everyone all the time. And there's the, there's the character where her, her gift is, is basically kind of being perfect. And she's just so tired of being perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. There's this weight that we carry. I won't Mm -hmm. explain too much about the movie or give it away, but, but towards the end, like any Disney movie, there's lessons learned there. There's people who come around on things, but I'm watching this movie and I'm, and I'm sitting in the theater with my kids and my wife is beside me crying mm. and I'm watching this movie and I'm crying because I realized that the conversation that's happening between the kids or between the parent, uh, the, uh, the character, sorry, is the conversation that I wish someone had had with me when I was a kid. Mm. This person is saying the things that, that little, little old Mark, little Marky who's what they used to call me. Yeah. Like no one said these things to me mm. and no one told these things to me. And I'm not placing any blame on anyone. I'm not saying like, why didn't you tell me these things? But I'm watching this movie realizing like, oh, that's what little Mark needs to hear. Wow. That's what little Mark needs to be aware of. And that's what big Mark, that's what, that's what current day me and future me needs to know. It's like hmm. all of those things that cause us to want to be for me, like like, I want to be a good boy. Right. If I'm a good boy, if I achieve, if I if I don't upset people, if I um, if I get in front of everything all the time, if if I'm smart enough, if I work hard enough, if I get things done fast enough, if if I make enough money, I'll be a good boy. And for you, mm-hmm. like like what what were you told would make you a good girl? What do I tell my mm-hmm. daughters about mm-hmm. the way to live or the way to act, which is good versus bad? Like, and it's just such a weight that we place. On our kids but it's a weight that was placed on us that I realized like okay I, I I need to hear some of these things I need to let some of these things go and I need to work through mm-hmm. these things so for me connecting mm-hmm. the dots isn't about like how everything happened um, it's more I, like I don't know like I don't know if I'm just different <laughs> than ever. I don't think I am I think we all have these issues I think we all mm-hmm. would benefit from working through them I just happen to just be doing it at this point in my life and I'm talking about it. Cause I, I don't know, dude, does everyone do these things? I do. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: mm, you know, and you know what, what I, have you done somatic breath work before? And I, are you okay going to work? We're, we're over the want. time that we were promised. Are you okay? Okay. Have you done somatic breath work before?
1: Explained it again? I, I told you that I suck at names. Okay. So that, that even yeah, goes yeah, to yeah. these types okay. of things, but, um, but, but like what, you mean okay
0: so it's a breathwork experience it's usually about an hour or an hour and a half and all the stress that we've carried around usually from the time we were little going through these experiences are held in our body still because we haven't had the opportunity to release so if you imagine okay like a gazelle out in the wild right we've kind of lost our animalistic side because we're no longer running from like a tiger right so this gazelle has the opportunity to like shake their entire body and like you see them after maybe they they ran away right their fight or flight kicked in when they're running from something then their body's like twitching because it's their body's way of letting the stress go that they just had built up over time and so our bodies don't allow ourselves to release in that way as humans and so somatic breath work is an experience where you can then allow the energy to fully release and a lot of times what happens in the experience is like you have the emotional trauma come to the surface because you've accessed your subconscious mind and you can then have the opportunity to release it along with the stresses that have been hold been okay, held on in your body
1: that sounds super cool we had um a few weeks yeah. ago we had dr david spiegel who's kind of the nation's most renowned hypnotherapist mm. we had him on the podcast hard cool. things and um I Honestly, I didn't know much about hypnotherapy um, or hypnosis, but he, uh, at a certain point, he was like, hey, do you want to, I'm going to hypnotize you now. And he hypnotized me on camera, like, like during the podcast, it's like, close your eyes. It's like, okay, cool. And what I didn't realize is so much of it has to do with breathing, Mm, with breathing. And what I, when I went through it, it only took, I don't know, four or five minutes and it brought me to such a place of peace. And I was like, you know what? This is I've struggled with meditation. Meditation to me is about, about clearing, you know, just dis- disenfranchising yourself from your emotions, clearing your thoughts. If something comes along, you kind of just acknowledge it and let it pass. But I struggle with that. And hypnosis what I liked was the total opposite. It's like it's more like, hey, let's pick something and let's just focus on this thing and let's reframe our our physical response to it and what you're describing with this breath work that i think i'm gonna have to look into i'm gonna have to get you to spell that for me
0: is that i think
1: like hypnosis uh, which was a really quick thing that i did only just once but um it allowed me to use breathing um to to enter into a, a more of a state of peace I was able to look at things visually in my mind that would normally cause me um, stress or worry or things like that. And I was able to say objectively, how do I feel about this? What would I do if if this were to happen? How would I handle it? Oh, okay, I've got this. And then when I came out of the hypnosis, I was like, he's like, how do you feel? I was like, "Uh, like really calm, really at peace. And he's like, well, what about, you know, the recession and inflation, building a business, social media, all that stuff that you were like, you were saying like, Hey, these things are making me anxious. I was like, I don't know. I just don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, uh-huh. ah, so, so you've just reminded me that like we all, I yeah. think, need to get better at breathing. We do.
0: Oh yeah. And you, and you know, if you write this guy down, Steven Jaggers, I would highly recommend going through him. That's who I've done the breathwork sessions with. And the last one that I was in a couple weeks back uh, was actually from someone who went through a certification program. And it was also incredible. So I highly recommend. And this is, I I feel like I could keep you here all day, Uh, (laughs) truly, truly. So I would love then to ask you what your question would be for the next person who joins me here.
1: I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to send everyone off with the question that I end every single one of my conversations with um, because I found I've, I've, I've interviewed thousands of people and I found that this wording and this question gets to the heart of the matter. Mm. And here's the question For you, at the end of the day, what it all come down to? For you, at the end of the day, what does it all come down to? Mm. How would would you answer that, Jamie?
0: Mm. I don't know. Two things are kind of coming to mind. It's bliss and freedom. But it's not freedom how I think normal people would look at it. It's free from everything we've really spoken about that's not serving of us being aligned with our purpose. It's free from the constructs of society, free for who we think we should be or free from who we think others think we should be. It's in which I believe leads to the bliss side of things, which is just bliss. You're just being, you're not worried about anything except for just living an authentic life.
1: I love it. I was, uh, I was visiting my 93 year old grandfather yesterday. He's, he's getting older and my grandmother passed away five or six years ago. And Mm -hmm. so he's at home alone and he had, he got COVID a few weeks ago. So I wanted to check in on him. But as I've been checking in on him, I, I now visit every few weeks because I just in person really like he, he was mm-hmm. like a father figure to me growing up, and I just don't spend enough time with him. So I visit him. So yesterday I asked him. I was like, "Hey, for you, at the end of the day, what does it all come down to?" Oh.
0: And
1: he and he's like, mm-hmm. "Family."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I go, "Why?" He goes, "I like family." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool." <laughs> he's he's German, so it's like, "Great, opa." Like. But why? And he's like, I like watching all of you guys grow up. I'm like, yeah, but, but, but why? <laughs> and I kept like pushing for like this deeper thing. And then he's just like, he grew up, he was born in 1928. He, as, as a refugee during the second world war, there's been three times in his life. He told me this. He's like, there's been three times in my life where I had close calls. And I was like, what does that mean? He said, I almost died. And he almost mm-hmm. died during the world world war because he had to dig at the age of 15 and he was on the front line and, and suddenly the Russians showed up and started shooting everyone. He, oh when he was, uh, when he was, I think 18, 17, something around then he got scarlet fever. He spent six weeks in the hospital in isolation and his older brother died of scarlet fever the year before. Oh, so not geez. only is he isolated, back in whenever this would have been the 40s in the hospital, his older brother had died the year before from the very same thing, but he survived. Mm -hmm. Wow! And he's he's a cancer survivor and all these other things. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's what really matters. So from this man who has been able to build a multi-million dollar company, the man who has survived all of these things, he only ever got a grade six education. He's self-taught, he's worked really hard. For him, at the end of the day, if he says the thing that matters most is family, I better listen Mm -hmm. to that. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I think that question is so powerful.
0: That is, oh, it's so powerful. But, and I feel like, I feel like at the end of the day, like just kind of connecting, truly like connecting my answer to that. It's like, I feel until we have that inner peace for ourselves we can't show up for the ones that we love in our family or we can't even see that they're the most important thing. So that says so much about him and having found that peace within himself to truly see that that's the most important thing. Oh, it's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Now, is there anything else that you feel is coming to mind right now? It could be another book recommendation or just any final thoughts that you would like to share.
1: I I have had so much fun connecting with you. I love the fact that like about one quarter of the way through this podcast I realized I think you and I both have the exact same headphones, which, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. They're the uh, the Beats. Uh, That's so funny. They're, the, they're the gold ones that are the signature Beats edition with gold Oh yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have great taste, but Um, I mean, if, if anyone wants to connect with me or have a one-on-one conversation or something, they can head over to Instagram. They can DM me at Mark Drager. Just, just drop me a note. Um, let me know what's going on. But, but more than this, the only thing that I would kind of leave people with is like, I always felt that there was a right way and a wrong way to do things. And I was doing things the wrong way. And I always felt like when I, if I, if I could figure things out, you know, there was like, there, there is such a thing as sustained happiness, which there isn't. That you once, once I think's things the right way, um, everything will feel more calm. Things will stop going wrong. My worry will decrease. If I just have the right team, if I just have the right people, if I just have the money, if I, if I just acted better, if I wasn't so lazy, like just all those things. And what I've come to realize over the last year through the books, through the conversations, through all my learning, is that, that this is it. Like, like what we're doing now, this is life. And when we're done doing this and I take off my headphones because it's Friday afternoon in the summer and I go outside maybe and spend time with my kids in the pool, that's all there is. And when a client calls me up and says, Mark, can you help me with this? That's all work is. Like what, and, and this is really, um, I don't know if this is ethereal or not, but, but it should be really scary for us to realize that what we're doing each day, each moment, that's all that life is. And so how are we going to show up and how are we going to make the most of those days or those moments? I carry it two sides. I carry the, like, the, the releasing the pressure of trying to be something I'm not because this is all life is. The, I went camping with my kids in the backyard last weekend. I didn't really want to do it, but I was like, I want to be the kind of dad that does. And that moment, snuggling with my kids... <laughs> at night because they were being in our neighborhood at night um <laughs> you know like like that that's all that that was and so one how you're spending your days is all life is and it's a collection of those moments for the rest of your life for you, you're blessed to live mm. so mm. so let go of the but at the same time hold on to the this is all life is and if we're not happy with mm-hmm. it what do we need to be doing to be able to make sure that that collection of moments is is the type of moments we want to have
0: Mm. oh full body goosebumps thank you oh thank you so much for sharing and just for being here it's been pleasure (laughs) thank you jamie (laughs) all right